Carl Boling. Welcome to the backseat, everybody. Episode 14. It's a Friday morning episode. Yeah. Uh, which is is a little non-traditional for us. Uh, you might be thinking, how are these young professionals recording when they should be in the office? Well, we're playing. We're doing a big hooky on them today. We quit our jobs. We quit. <laughs> we quit. We quit. <laughs> this is what we do now. We talk to you for nothing. <laughs> yeah. For Basically, free. Basically, the the business plan is we pay uh, a small amount of money to advertise on social media, and in return, we get nothing except it's, for a huge drain on our lives and our time. Right. Uh, and ruined relationships. Ruined relationships. Uh, broken families. But. But where would you be without us, lost, wandering the abyss, untethered? You would literally have to spend, like, maybe an hour of your day without with being bored. People would have to do their own versions of Carl pulling. They'd have to get in the car and talk to themselves and go mad. And that's not the world we want to live in, Hunter. <laughs> no, and I, I really, 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 really cherish the hour that people have where they listen to us and not other podcasts. So, yes. deal with that. I've heard this nasty rumor that a bunch of our listeners are, they, they turn us and Mark Marin on at the same time. No. And blend it. And apparently it's really good. I think if you do that, don't you hear like yellow submarine backwards or something? You hear yellow submarine backwards, <laughs> yes. That's exactly right. I had an it's idea. Skelter Helter. Skelter Helter. The less known brother of Helter Skelter. <laughs> Alright. Okay. This has been sufficiently pointless. And that's Carl Pooling. Thanks so much. Let's get into it. Hunter? Yep. I don't even know what we're talking about today. What do you want to talk about today? Weren't we going to talk about taxes? Yes. Oh. I was just trying to make it seem like all of my good ideas about taxes were just spontaneous spur of the moment stuff. Oh. But you've really sold me out on the quick there. Take that, everybody. <laughs> There's some prep into this show. So, it's some. not a lot, but there is. Some. Um, anyhow. Yeah, so let's talk about taxes. Yeah, I think... Um, what are they and how do they work? How, how does one tax people? First, get guns. <laughs> Then point them at people and say, give us taxes. Yeah, That's okay. It. I, like, I know you're joking, kind of, but it, it's an important clarification to make. Sure, but yeah. The one thing that we have to remember when we're talking about taxes is that the government does not... They're enforceable. The, yeah, the government, the government does not necessarily provide a service. Now, there are certain projects that they do that provide services, like... Let's call it infrastructure seems to be a service. Right. And, you know, funding the military, there's that's a service. But in general, when a government collects a tax, it, it there's a lot of administrative things that are going on with it. What I'm trying to say is they use the taxes to, to buy labor, to buy goods, to buy this. They're not, like, producing necessarily themselves. They're siphoning money, and then they are purchasing the the goods and services that they use with the siphoned money. So, like, they don't make the planes necessarily. Lockheed makes the planes. Right. They don't build the roads necessarily. Construction companies paid with government money make the, the roads. They don't make the medicine. They give grants so scientists come up with the medicine. Right? Sure. Does that kind of make sense? Yes. So they kind of, they kind of fund things. Uh, but the second point is that, yes, taxes are enforceable. Uh, just a, a prima facie of understanding the government would be uh, that the government is a big gun. It is a shooting people machine. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, you've listened to some of our episodes before, maybe. Like, violence can be really good. Violence employed properly can be a, a, a civilizing element. Well, it, it absolutely is. Because, I mean, the, the government runs the part of the country that we all want, but don't want one person to be in charge of. Which is like exactly what a police force is. Sure. We all want the police force because it's good, it keeps the law, and we all say this should be handled by a, a third party. But the problem is, if you own the police force and you run the police force, then when you imprison somebody, there's all these problems that come along with this. Oh, you imprisoned that person because they were a rival in another arena of your life. And then you took revenge on them because of something mean they did to you or whatever. And so there becomes a revenge system that comes into place with if you're actually the person running the police force. But if the police force is something separated from our day-to-day -day public life and it, or our private lives and exists in a public sphere, which is we all want this but nobody really wants to own it, then it, then it cuts off revenge because if you want to rebel against the police force, you actually have to rebel against all of society right, at the, the same time. Right. Uh, okay. 
So. I, I understand where you're going with that. That's, sure. that's good stuff. And, right. So the government, and the good thing about the government is, especially the way it's instantiated in America, or at least it was, uh, it was based on the idea that it'll be a big gun that will point at people who step out of line, who start to infringe on other people's rights, right? And mm -hmm. it will be it will be operated codally. It will be codified so that there's a prescriptive manner and a a uh, a manner in which you can predict the outcomes in which the gun will be pointed, right? right? And so that's really useful because there are times when guns need to be pointed. Taxes are an extension of that. So the like Hunter was saying, they're enforceable. It, it's basically that the government has the authority to siphon the money away from its constituency with the uh, initially the threat of fines then the threat of threat of jail time right right and so you can't march someone off to jail without being able to employ violence otherwise they'd walk away right so anyhow that's what taxes are in part and the reason that taxes are important right now i think is like you're hearing a bunch of people talk about tax rates in government. You're hearing people talk about what the top marginal tax rate should be. You're hearing uh, different mayors talk about what the tax rate should be. We've just, we're kind of still riding the wave of the Trump era tax cuts uh, where he lowered the, the top corporate tax rate by a few percentage points. And so uh, I think it's worth understanding functionally how they operate and kind of the ideologies that are empowering the basic different philosophies on taxes. Yeah, so I think the big thing we wanted to talk about this week is uh, New York's been in the news uh, because their governor and not again, not again. They're important or something. They're a big American town, uh, but Governor Cuomo has been blaming uh, the fact. So he had they had a budget shortfall about two something billion dollars which is a, not an insignificant amount, especially in a state that has a lot of uh, government-funded programs. And basically said, when he was called on the carpet for why they were two-point-something billion dollars short, he said, all the rich people are leaving the state of New York, which is, interest, is an interesting point. And it's like, well, why are rich people leaving New York? And, he's, and he was basically a little bit later saying, you know, one of the main reasons people are leaving is because our taxes are too high. If we're taxing people at this high of a rate, they're going to leave the state. And he actually put the blame on a lot of uh, states that had lower tax rates, Florida being a huge version of that. Because one thing that's true is the tax rates that you would receive uh, in New York versus the tax rates you would receive in Florida under the way tax laws have been rewritten it's much more favorable for a rich person to live in Florida than it is in New York. Right. Uh, and it's also, but that also goes to just the way stale, not only is it true from tr the federal taxes, but it's also true from like a state level taxes. Like New York has an estate tax and a bunch of other really gross, or I shouldn't say gross, but they have a lot of aggressive uh, taxing measures, whereas Florida does not. And there's really, if you're an American citizen, nothing stopping you from picking up your bags and going down to Florida. Yeah, where you die and they don't take all your money away from your family. Yeah. Uh, you're seeing the same thing happen in California and, uh, and uh, Texas. People are getting taxed out of their minds in California and a bunch of businesses are leaving a bunch of um, individuals are leaving and, and moving shop over to Texas right uh, which is a, a really fun transition for everyone I'm sure <laughs> so anyhow uh, the this kind of comes off the heels of some folks in the Democratic Party suggesting that we should have for instance, a 70% marginal tax rate, uh, top marginal tax rate. Uh, AOC's been brandishing this one. Some of her her, her uh, compatriots has, have been saying it should be even higher. Uh, like, that doesn't go far enough. Right. And so, that's, uh, let's just put it plainly, that's a really, really terrible idea. Right. It, it's disastrous to an economy. Uh, one thing that I want to point out, and then, you know, we'll, we'll continue to get into it, but... The Trump tax cuts, and I call them the Trump tax cuts not because he was the genius that put them together, but because, <laughs> you know, they passed under him, just to be clear. But the Trump 
tax cuts came. Oh, when did those start? Like, uh, tw like late 2016. I think they affected my 2018 taxes and not my 2017 taxes. So sometime at the end of 2017, I uh, think that's, they were it was late 20. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was it was late 2017. Right. Because there was all those uh, those like companies raising minimum wages. Some kind companies giving a bunch of raises some companies like uh the one that i work for just straight handing you a bonus um so anyhow though it was all in the news and it was right before the right. holidays as i recall yes exactly um so taxes are going down we're paying our workers more right exactly which was great uh but let's talk about what's happened since then since then we've seen a really interesting thing happen in that the unemployment rate is at pretty much a 50-year low and that's the general unemployment rate. Another interesting statistic is that the the uh, minority unemployment rates are at all-time lows. So you can say that's correlation, not necessarily causation. So let's dive into it, you know. But it's an interesting thing that happens. You know, we say that we have to tax so that we can afford our social welfare programs, yet we've reduced the tax rate and somehow simultaneously, even though reducing the tax rate is a great evil that allows the corporations to manifest more of their control. Mm -hmm. At the same time we've done that, we've sent more uh, minority and poor families into the workforce than ever before. So, that's a. I think that's a great thing. Yeah, no, I, I think, definitely. I think giving someone a job is way better than giving someone a food stamp. It's hard to connect that to tax cuts, but it's definitely the climate that we're in seems to be supporting that. So, there's definitely multiple factors, but let's talk about why tax cuts are good. Okay. Uh, and why, why the connection between those is maybe more direct than some people see. Sure. When you tax businesses based on their their income they what you're saying to a business is you don't just have to be profitable you have to be this profitable right right because if i needed twenty thousand dollars a month to pay for my expenses as for me to say like this business is worth the investment that i'm putting into it you know and that pays for me maybe my kids and my wife and you know maybe a couple maybe it's helping me build up the funds to take my my initial business to a franchise level, whatever it is, well, then maybe I can do that with like an operating income of like a hundred or revenue of a hundred thousand dollars after I paid all my expenses. Sure. But then so, so after after so then when I'm left with that, but that's not true because then when I get taxed on in, in addition to that, now I have to make a hundred forty thousand dollars. So it becomes it becomes far more difficult for me to get to the point where I can afford my business. That's right, and so. So, and this is the same thing when we talk about minimum wage. You know, for one, I disagree with the notion entirely that the government should be allowed to tell you how much you're willing to work for as the individual. Um, but it's the same idea. If if we push for a $15 minimum wage, the first thing that happens is everyone at McDonald's gets fired and gets replaced with kiosks. Right. Right? Because they can't afford, the job isn't that valuable. It's not generating enough wealth to pay more than, a, you know, a probably max $10 wage. Yeah, and I think I think we're we may be confusing two topics here, which is like how do higher taxes influence the workplace or how do really like what what do employing practices how do those affect the workplace versus like how do taxes affect Oh, I was the... like I was just getting there. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I was going to say that's that's kind of the the case that everyone understands. Sure. And then you move it up to the corporate level, and you go, okay, well, you're telling these industries like I think we the top marginal rate went from forty percent to thirty eight percent in the tax cuts. And so the that that that's individual, not corporate. Oh my! Bad. It was like twenty eight to twenty five, right? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yes, you're right. Okay. So so like a three percent net. Correct. All right. So that's a that's a significant amount, by the well, way. Here's what it's saying: There's entire industries that operate on tiny margins and huge volumes. Correct. Right. When you have that three percent, you're not just saying these corporations get to keep more of their money. The other thing that you're doing is you're saying entire new industries, entire new opportunities that are operating on tiny margins and high volume are all of a sudden economically viable in the in the climate right you can afford to run that business now and it can be a profitable business that provides a service that people want right. so when you're when you lower the tax rate 
you create more jobs necessarily because people can afford to pay their workers more, which means in certain instances that they can afford to hire on new help. And in the second instance, entire new markets open up because markets that were previously non-profitable are profitable now. Yeah. You've just, you've lowered the barrier to entry by a commiserate rate. Right. And so that's, a, that's a really good thing. So when people say like, you know, it's just causation, there is, or, or correlation, there is an amount of causation there that we have made it easier for businesses with lower margins to enter the space, which I think is fantastic for the economy and the economy has agreed with me lately. Right. I think I, and I think there's a balance there too, right? Because Nobody wants to drive in roads with holes in them and, you know, and nobody wants a military with cork guns, you sure. know? So it's like, there, there's an idea there where it's like, there's, there's a fine line between where it's like businesses need to be profitable so that people can have jobs, have steady incomes and reliable and, and even control some of their own future productivity. Sure. But we as a society also need certain things in place so that those things can exist also. Because if we don't have a strong military, it doesn't matter how great our businesses are. They'll get taken over by someone who does. Right. And, and there's some people that are experts in those specific domains that can envision a, a private way of those happening. Uh, I, that's a very, that requires a very, very complex solution. And it requires a very homogeneous uh, group of people behind it. Like, everyone has to line up with that idea. Uh, ideologically I, homogenous, yeah. Yes, and I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that's realistic at all. Right, and, and I agree with you there. The, I'm not saying that it's impossible to have those things in the private sector. What I'm saying is that um, those are... Those are exclusionary goods, right? right? You can't have two roads in the same location, basically. Right. Uh, or one of them would not work as well. Specifically the one on the bottom. But, <laughs> the, but what I'm saying is that was a very interesting laugh. Do you want to stop and talk about that for a second? Yeah, sure. Sometimes I have interesting laughs. <laughs> okay. Um, is that it? Yeah, that's we, good we for me. We can come back uh, later in the show. Put a pin in it. Okay. But at any rate, uh, for exclusionary goods, I, I think kind of it's an often... It's often used as a type of straw man you know, that the right thinks taxation is theft and all of this stuff. Is taxation theft? Yes, technically. But it's it's a good theft. Like, I, it's a theft that you can you can accept, but it's important to remember that uh, that it can go too far as well, right? Yeah. So, yes, I want to pay taxes to have a military. I do. But I don't want, uh, I don't want to close my eyes and blindly assume that everything that the government is raising taxes for is one, their legitimate role, or two, necessary, or three, good, mm -hmm. right? So that's the important thing to keep in mind. But you've seen this reduction in taxes. We're still, you know, our military's doing a-okay. Uh, and in addition to that, we've, we've created tons and tons of jobs. Tons right. of jobs, which I think uh, necessarily those things are related. Yeah. This is kind of the piece I wanted to talk to you about a little bit here, too, is... I think there's a big confusion that raising taxes, I think like if you're just as like you take, I think when you're, when I'm a governor, I'm a, a, a economy, hey, people are waving at us. This is fun. Having had this on the show. All right, cool. That's fun. It's cool. It's like a non-audio experience. It's like a visual thing. We should bring cameras next time, right? Okay. So yeah, if you want to donate, uh, yeah. PayPal me. No, I'm just kidding. PayPal me at. So it, is PayPal an at? I'm not asking. So, the th but the thing I think that I really want to get into is like, I think when you're planning like your state budget, right? Sure. And you're sitting down with your rooms, your guys, and you're like, okay, how much money did we bring in last year? Mm -hmm. You know, and you're planning that out, and it's like, okay, well, maybe if we raise the percentage to this amount, we'll bring in, you know, by based on the revenues that uh, our constituents had last year, and the percent of that we took in, we'll raise our re we'll raise our tax rates by this much, and forecast this new amount of revenue. With that new amount of revenue, we can pay for all these social programs that we want in our state. Right. And I think the thing that is not clear to a lot of people doing that is that's ooh, that's not a that's not a one that's not a that's not perfect math like that's funny math if that sort of makes sense and it's like well a lot of the ways that they do it is they simply look at they simply look at the budget from last year right and then and then the income from last year and it adjust by percentages right yeah yes and so my point being is like the people that you are 
the people that you make your money off are the rich. And that that's like that should be obvious. Like even sure. though poor people pay taxes and there's a lot more poor people than there are rich people, rich people pay like 80, 90% of all taxes everywhere. Right. And like so the reason you have a really nice military, the reason you have roads in the state they are in, the reason you have a post office, social security, all of that is because a small percentage of the pop populace is extremely productive. Right. And, and not only that, but they're employing everyone else, right? Exactly. So, so not only are they productive enough for themselves, they're also so productive they need more people to come on that are less productive to keep them as productive as they can be. Right. So it's like, that's some really... So we're talking about a very, very, very small group of people here that are really driving a lot of the economy. Sure. Now, if I punish that person, and I'm using punish loosely, if I increase that person's tax burden tax burden because society needs more things in it because it's not perfect uh, social programs yeah yeah what what, it, what if I'm that person I think that my my initial reaction is well why I'm doing all this for you already sure why are you making things harder on me and I think the net of that is if there's a place that isn't doing that I'll go there right easily and, and it's so clear uh I, there's a bunch in there that I want to get into and a bunch of the like counterpoints yeah. that I want to get into but yeah the the this is just a fact we lowered taxes for 2018 and revenues went up is that true revenues in the and for for uh, yeah the like like first quarter second it, quarter is revenues is that a, is that adjusted do you understand what i'm saying for the for the decrease in percentages is it? A, is it? Let, a, let me put it this way. Okay. We overshot projections. Okay. There. That's that's the number I'm looking for. Yes. Okay. We overshot projections. Me like rude, um, rude revenue increased. Uh huh. Just dollars unadjusted. Got and it. And we overshot projections. Okay. And the reason is that we decreased the tax burden, so we weren't taking as big of a cut as mm -hmm. a percentage. But the pie got bigger. Right. And this is exactly what we talk about, you know, when we talk about economics is what, what do you actually want? Do you want to lock in the gradations of the pie that everyone gets or do you want to make the whole pie bigger? Mm. Yeah. And so that's what we saw happen. So I think that's an absolutely wonderful thing because basically what that means is you let people keep more of their own money and you let businesses reinvest at a higher rate and the entire economy gets better. And this is, this is like... To get back to to some of the objections to it, you know, people say like, I was I was having a discussion, a really good discussion with a colleague at work that we actually ended up dis we ended up or we started out disagreeing and ended up agreeing about a lot of things. Interesting about um, tax rates specifically, and he kind of uh, flippantly said that you know we should have a seventy percent marginal tax rate, and so I said let's talk about that. We kind of got into it, and uh, basically. What we got into is that the the for one the wealthy are the only ones paying the taxes, right? Right. It's important to note too, as far as paying for these programs, but also that the things that have made and his point of view is that to, to kind of twofold. One, it was unfair that anyone should be that rich, and two, that they're that they're not helping the economy by amassing money which is like a Keynesian economic trope that's incorrect, and we'll get into it. But the first one uh -huh. is saying it's unfair that they have this much money. The thing is that these people, when someone is rich in America, what it means is that, or a company is profitable in America, what it means in this country, in a capitalist society, is that someone has engaged in a large number of, of consensual transactions. I will sell this to you for $5 and I did it 500 million times. Right. I did it a bunch of times and a bunch of people liked it. That's what makes you wealthy in America. Mm -hmm. And then you go, you look at the poor people and you say, what has made their lives better? Has it been food stamps or has it been an easily accessible automobile? Mm -hmm. You know, has it been the, the, you know, free healthcare or has it been with the individual mandate that's now repealed or was it the affordable smartphone, you know, you go to some very poor places around where we live and lots of people drive cars, not the nicest cars, and lots of people have cell phones. We're not, not the newest, a very nice car. Yeah, not the newest <laughs> cell phones, but the thing is, like, these things actually, like, yeah, the government might give you a bite to eat, but business has brought every answer to all of the questions that you could possibly ask and put it in your pocket. Right. And then uh, the government might have, you know, have 
giving you some medicine after you waited in line for a little bit, but the private sector has, or, or yeah, the private sector has given you the ability to very efficiently and cheaply move you from location to location so that you can work a job. And this is the whole argument, right? Are yeah. we, these social programs, and, and, and remember, when we're talking about taxes, the reason that the left wants to increase tax rates is so that they can perform social spending. Because, and, and we'll deviate for a second, but really they, the, the will of the public codified in government is their God. If given the resources and the proper talent, it could solve all of the world's problems. It's, it's an unreasonable way to view the world. It's simply not true. For one, people aren't that good. They aren't that moral. And number two, they're not that smart. They don't know how to organize it. And the thing is, when you, when you start a social program, like food stamps, for instance, what you're doing is you are stealing the labor of somebody else. That's really what it is. You're saying those that produce the food will give the food away for free and then we'll, we'll backfill it with government money. But they never get the money that, that they uh, should be getting. They never receive the proper amount, just like in the healthcare industry. Right. They never get back what they actually spend on these programs from the government because the revenue's just not there. So, And, and like in yeah. New York, they were trying this. But at, at any rate, the, the idea is that given enough resources the government could cure all our problems we need an amazing amount of money this is the same with the new green deal it's with uh or the green new deal we said new green deal a hundred times and now i can only say it that way it's, it's green, the new green deal it's green new deal it's the green um, new time deals so anyhow yeah. it's it's an it's an entirely irrational way to think about the world the idea that the government by fiat can instantiate a price point that is more correct than the capitalist musing of aggregating all of the individual transactions and decisions from everyone in a population to determine a price point is hubristic to the extreme. Right. Right? And so... I think there's a better way to, like, just make that clear to people. Sure. Uh, and it's pretty, it's pretty easy when you think about it. It's like, okay, if we're at the government level and we're turning the gears and the knobs on the economy, okay, we're going to tax people at... 28%, right? We're going to adjust the social spending, you know, up by, we're going to double it in the next year, you know, things like that, right? We're working with knobs and switches at an, a very high level. You know, sure, we're, yes. we're, measure, we're measuring things at a very high level. It's, it's centralized. We're making decisions at a very top tier, very similar to like how like a big company will set like earnings per share. Sure. Right. But then, when it comes down, but then if we take some of that control away, we say we're this is the number we're going to take, and we're going to let you guys figure out what happens with like like say if we're going to move the tax rate from twenty five to twenty. We've just given the uh, the economy five percent of the economy back essentially for them to wiggle in and right. to mess with. And so what's really cool about that is not only are you now computing the problem of that five percent of where it should go and where it should be allocated you know, in more places, which just by definition means you're going to get more people coming to it, solving more problems, thinking through it, but you're also going to start solving it at lower levels of the percentage. At, at, you're going to, you're going to diffuse the, diffuse the ability to learn about how the market should behave to a far greater data set. Be meaning like something like this. You're now solving the problem at the hundredth of a percent. Right. And exactly. so like, and so exactly. like, and you can see how that math sort of plays out is because like, I know very, if I'm running a small business, I know that Susie may need extra money for her operations coming up. So I may adjust my budgets to make that happen because I want her to be here. She's a productive person. And I also, you know, just, it's better for my business because Susie's the only one who knows our accounts management system. And it's good for me to take care of her. Like problems it, it like that. It happens literally be, all the time. And problems, it does. And like problems like that can now be solved at my level because I can see it happening. Right. But when I'm the government, I don't necessarily, I can't adjust it like that because I'm not thinking about Susie. I'm thinking about all the sick people who need money in the economy, in the, in the country. Yeah. And so it's like, sometimes if I just take that 5% to solve that problem, it's like taking a hammer where a chisel would be the better tool. Right. Or, or a, a pair of like tweezers. Right. Uh, it's, that's, it's, a, that's a really good point. I think you really put legs on what I was trying to say. Sure. Yeah. Getting back to the other point. Um, the other objection was that these the wealthy pooling money uh, isn't helping the economy. 
this is classic Keynesianism. <laughs> Uh, oh, and, sure. and a lot of people believe it, and it's nonsense. It's little... It just doesn't work in practice, and I'll explain why. So, the idea is that the trickle-down economy, which would be, you know, the, the opposite of Keynesian economics in a lot of ways, that the trickle-down idea doesn't work because the rich people pool up their money. Uh, and on the other side, we have we should have a trickle-up economy that they say, you know, if we were to redistribute wealth, people would buy more cheeseburgers and buy more of these goods, and then that would have a replication, a multiplication effect in the economy, as dollars do have a multiplication effect. You know, you give a dollar to the guy at uh, McDonald's, he takes his taxes out of it, and then you give a dollar to the, he gives a dollar to the guy at CVS, and right. then they take their taxes out of it, he gives a dollar, right? So the dollar gets spent more than once, but taking taxes off the top every time. Mm -hmm. So just right there, another another argument for a lower tax rate is that it increases the the multiplication of dollars in the economy because you're taking less out at each transaction, right? Right, exactly. Uh, moving on from that though. That idea that that's what's good for economy is simply not true. Yeah. It's not bad for the economy, but it's not actually what makes the economy grow. What makes the economy grow is investment. We should Inve be, we, we should we should clarify what you just said there just just a little bit. It will make the economy grow when it happens. Like in the moment it makes the economy grow, but the long-term growth only comes through investment. The the important the the really and critical large growth. growth. Exactly. Yeah, there will have marginal growth. That's mm -hmm. what I say. It's not it's, it's not bad for the economy. It's good for the economy, but it's not the thing that continues to spur the economy on. Yes. And so the thing that does that is investment. And the investment comes from the wealthy exclusively. That's why they're, that's why they own businesses because they invested their money. Uh, now that doesn't mean you can't go from being poor to being an investor. It happens all the time. It takes a lot of work and dedication, a lot of personal responsibility, one might say. Mm. But the, the, you know, people say like they're just hoarding their money up and they're not spending it. So it's not helping the economy. Nonsense. Nonsense, you fool. <laughs> Where do the rich keep their money, Hunter? In banks. What do or banks stocks do with whatever? What do banks do except for the minimums that they have to keep on hand based on deposits? Ten percent. What do banks do with every dollar that comes in that doesn't that isn't included in that ten percent? Well, they put it in the big Scrooge McDuck ball. No. Okay. They invest it like crazy. Right. That's why they. That's why they agree to. That's why banks are there. Like, the yeah. only reason a bank agrees to hold on to your money is because you agree to let them loan it out. And, and that's if you the play, entire agreement. If you pay a monthly service fee on your bank, here's just a life tip for you: quit. Quit there's, doing that. there's places that will pay you to to handle your money for you because <laughs> what they do with your money is they take it, they invest in new businesses, they invest in real estate, they invest in all different sorts of economic utilities, and that's what makes our economy grow. They invest in in industries that we haven't even heard of yet. Correct. Right? That's what they're doing with the money. The and some rich, industries that don't make it. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. But but by and large they win. Right. The obviously there's banks all over the world. Right. They work. The the industries that uh, we love come from rich people putting money in banks and that and those giant conglomerates being able to fund new businesses. Yeah. The idea that rich people's money is stagnant as compared to poor people's money is just insane. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's it's kind of economically illiterate of what actually happens with, with uh, dollars and cents in the economy. This is actually, have you seen the movie Founder? No, I haven't. So it's really good, and okay. it's it's about uh, I I'll say this: it's not necessarily like the best movie I've ever seen, like from a movie, but it's about it's a dramatization of how McDonald's got started, oh. and it's really it's really interesting because like it takes you to the first McDonald's shop, and it's like this small little mama. It's it's two brothers, the McDonald's brothers, right? Yeah, and they are Ronald, think, Ronald and Ronald, <laughs> Ronald. <laughs> And McDonald's. Well, it's actually Ron and Noel. Right. McDonald. <laughs> and so and so it shows you like they've just had this one shop and they basically have made it incredibly efficient. They found a way to make the burgers as fast as possible. People rotate on a schedule, like it's 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 a machine. It's not a it's not a shop, you right. know. And it's like, wow, this is where McDonald's started. All this heart, all this soul. Guess what? It's one shop that is kind of profitable. You sure. know? And eventually this guy, who's basically the guy who founded uh, McDonald's, and actually he uh, the Hamburglar. Yeah, the Hamburglar. It will kind of because it's it's a little shady the way it all goes down. But basically, it's like these guys had the idea. He made it into McDonald's. And how did he do that? And how did he do that? Exactly. He convinced people to purchase franchises. 
Right. And it's like, now it's not a one-to-one with what you're saying, but it's like the only... Well, uh, in a lot of ways it is. Right. He, he spurred investors. Exactly. And so what he did is he said, the only way to get them to grow into something great, because he saw the potential that was McDonald's, was for them to basically get outside capital. They weren't making enough in the single shop to uh, provide more McDonald's across the United States. But what they were getting from the single shop is that they were able to uh, show an idea that works, if that sort of makes sense. And because that idea worked, people were willing to put more money than was reasonable into that idea, and that idea paid off. With the hope of future profits, Exactly, right? yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful way that that works. Yeah, it's, and, and so the movie, he was he kind of he kind of shorted them on a few deals. He was a little, he was a businessman, and it's a take on that, but sure. I, I strongly suggest you go and watch it just because it's interesting. All right, so we've kind of talked a lot about the theory and the meandering, you know, circuitous way that we go about it, but we've talked a little bit about tax theory. Yeah. And again, the, the tax rate shouldn't be 0%. No. That's a, that's a, a, a mischaracterization of the argument but also the tax rate definitely shouldn't be a hundred and the lower that you go is is and and that's a mischaracterization too no one's calling for a hundred percent tax rate although i'm pretty sure some people would in their deepest darkest secret think sure. that the government could handle every d- transaction and better than the individuals which mm. uh, those people are uh, ideologically my enemy oh so at any rate because uh, those people are Stalin. Right, right exactly. Yeah. That's, that was his idea. Yeah. And I don't particularly like Stalin's ideas. No. Uh, they got, he got too much blood on them. Yep. But at any rate, what do we do with this now? And what where does this fit into the conversation right now? Mm. So it's really interesting. You've got AOC and Ellen uh, Omar pushing the 70% tax rate, right? And you have some of the old, old dogs... Some buying into it, some not. You know, on the on the left, the right side is actively cutting taxes. We did it, you know, a couple of years ago, and we're going to do it again. The interesting thing is, you've got Como, right? Okay. Died in the wool leftists wants to provide health care for all in his state, and the math. God, the math is hilarious. He thinks he can do it for one hundred and twenty dollars a person. Jeez Louise, nope. Good luck, pal. Best of luck. But anyhow, uh, that was. Uh, you can look up those numbers. It's the population divided by the budget that they proposed for the healthcare for all. No, nope. uh, it's not going to work. Nope, is basically how that shakes. I think my I think my yearly visit to the doctor probably costs more than that. Well, yeah, and we could talk a lot about healthcare. Uh, that's something that's that we a different should do, different but, thing. Yeah, but uh, I was thinking I've got a couple. I, I th- this 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 show actually got me thinking of a bunch of different topics we need to talk about. So, but yeah, let's let's finish this. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, it's interesting that he agrees with the the reasons for increasing the tax rate with you know the senators and the congress people mm-hmm. on the left and he, he agrees with the social spending policies that they want to create with a increased tax rate um however he's not pushing for the increased tax rate he says if we increase taxes again all of the rich people will leave and yep. then we won't have anyone to tax. This is exactly what we were talking about with AOC's apparent distaste for the millionaires and yet her reliance on millionaires to tax to fund her programs. Yes. You know, it's the same kind of cognitive dissonance. The the idea that you can abuse people who are productive and then still have them be productive and and uh give back to society, it's not going to work. They're going to leave. Now, we've seen this happen before. This is the story of Detroit. This is the story of, at the moment, Los Angeles and San Francisco. Mm. It's happening as we watch. Detroit used to be the center of economic activity in America. It was the lifeblood of one of our most productive industries, that being the automobile industry. What happened? They wanted to instigate all these social programs, all these progressive leftist ideas, and all of a sudden, they hollowed out the businesses in their state. They left. They went. Because they couldn't afford to do business there. It wasn't worth their time. And so, then they all moved, and what does it leave you behind with? An empty husk full of impoverished people and violence. That's what increasing the tax rate does. And you go, well, weren't these people trying to help the poor and they just created one of the poorest inner cities in the entire country? That's right. When you trade security for freedom, you deserve neither, right? Mm. These policies, these social spending policies that foster government dependence are straight from hell. They are straight from hell. And if you 
if you act upon them, you can have hell on earth, and it looks like downtown Detroit. You know, I think it used to be it used to be such a vibrant, bustling economy. There's all the rails that run in and out because they were doing so much business that they didn't have t- they didn't have time to close the doors, and now it's dead. I think I think with the some of the things that are going on in California with like the defecation on the streets and things like that. I don't think we're, in our lifetime, Christopher, I think we're going to see that state change dramatically. Like, I don't know if New York's necessarily there. I mean, New York has problems, but I think California is a couple years ahead of them. Yeah. I think in our lifetime, we're going to see what California was change. Because, I mean, you have a very, very, very rich group of people that live there that support these high-tax policies. Right. And... Uh, social spending programs. Well, maybe they don't support the high tax policies, but they definitely support the social spending programs, which translates there's, to high there's tax. There's plenty of people on the left who will say, "Yes, I would pay more in taxes if we could have policy X." Yes. So, but my and but I just think you're going to see. I just think that state is going to change, and I think it'll probably be in a similar way to Detroit when the conditions for businesses to operate there are no longer sustainable and the people that were relying on those businesses through the government to, to fund those policies in general that they were they were trying to start right, right is going are going to still remain because they don't have the ability to pick up and leave like the businesses and the people working for those businesses do right it's going to be i think it's going to be kind of dark well, but we'll see i agree i agree it's going to get much much worse if you keep relying on government de- uh, government dependence to solve the woes of the realities of life and you do that by giving them more and more money and more and more control they won't do a good job with it they will not do a good job with it like capitalism does right. I mean when you increase the tax rate what you're really doing is you're stepping towards socialism mm-hmm. and and that's I, I'm not a hard liner on a certain number I'm not a hard liner on we can't you know 1% more is a loss those are discussions to be had about specifics right but I am a hardliner that going from 25% to 70%, that is a huge step towards socialism. Because what you're doing is you are giving the government the the benefits of the fruits of our labor. Right. So that they can take care of us. So that they can allocate each according to their need, each according to their ability. That's the purpose. And so it's so telling. It's such a beautiful, clear picture. When Cuomo says, please, we can't raise the tax rates, uh, all of the people will leave and our revenues will be even lower than they are right now, which they're abysmal in New York. Um, You will, you will, it's, it highlights the the real issue, right? Mm -hmm. It shows how the ideology doesn't work in practice. Yeah. And it, he, he let he let slip more than I think he meant to let slip when he said that. And But here's the, the fun part, because what was his prescription to fix it? Florida should raise its tax rate so yeah. people can't escape there. <laughs> it's like, it was just, but I, it's, it's I com- would go to Florida to spite him at that point. Like, I mean, that's ridiculous. It's a completely eyes wide shut way to look at the world. Like, hey, what we're doing here hasn't been working. But if only we tried it everywhere. Right, exactly. It's so ignorant. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. The answer is lower the tax rates. Create an economy that's friendly for business. Business, what business does not force people to buy goods based on government fiat, like an individual mandate, which is a horrifying policy that we couldn't fund without increasing taxes and, and, and was completely insolvent. They can't, a business requires consent. They can't force you to buy stuff. It, it, you, you say, well, there's only one internet provider at my house. No one's forcing you to buy internet. Right. Thank God businesses have made... No one's forcing made... you to live at your house yeah. either. Thank God businesses have made those things available to our lives. And thank God when we l- take the reins off business that those the weakest among us can be productive in society. That's why the economy's at a, at, um, at a multi-year high. That's why... The unemployment is at a, effectively an all-time low, at least 50-year low, but I'm, I think it's more than that now. It's because we took the brakes off and said, no, well, let's allow the individuals to make the decisions for themselves about where to work and what to buy. The government does a crappy job of it every time. It's the USSR, it's Venezuela, it's New York City, it's California, and it's Detroit. And we're going to see it continue to march this way. So, 
so in a way, God bless, God bless Cuomo. God bless him regardless. But thank you, Cuomo, for highlighting exactly the point that everyone on the right wants to make. These yeah. progressive spending tax policies, they don't work. And if you think that the solution is to instantiate them everywhere, you're asking for trouble, dude. You're asking for loads and loads of trouble. Yeah, I uh, I actually think this is one of the main reasons I am looking to, uh, or I'm interested in Howard. You're good. Sorry. Okay. There's an audio glitch for a second there. Go ahead. Okay. I think this is one of the main reasons I'm looking into Howard Schultz candidacy, mm-hmm. uh, and because he actually specifically talked about this last week, is like we obviously can't raise taxes on the rich. That will have a bad effect on the economy. Um, and, but I think I like his second bullet point here is we also have to cut spending, which I think is exactly where we're Preach. at now. And that's a whole different thing. But I mean, like, this is the truth. If you are someone that believes we have to get our debt under control in America, there is not a political party that represents that viewpoint today. Yes. And that is a problem. That is and a I, problem. I think we have to be honest about that. But that's really, I think, uh, and, and, debt in the government and that is a whole different, national debt is a whole different topic. But it's closely related to taxes and I, I'm not I'm not putting the stamp of approval on Mr. Schultz yet, but I am intrigued. Yeah, intrigued for sure. Yeah. So let's wrap it up there. Uh, yeah. You know, pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on in your state. Pay attention to what's going on at the federal level with taxes, and understand that you know our debt is a huge problem, and we can't tax our way out of it. And things like things like uh, you know health care for the poor. That is a big problem. We can't tax our ways out of it. We could probably so, manage healthcare for the poor if we were in such bad debt. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say if you if you made it private. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's another episode. I certainly have a lot of ideas on that. If, At any rate, yeah, great. yeah, yeah. Let's 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 come back to that. Let's uh, but but pay attention. That's what taxes do. That's how they operate, and they you can't simply raise taxes to solve society's problems because the the producers in the society will find greener pastures and they should they should uh so anyway guys uh this week has been a really interesting week uh carl pulling's been blowing up some ways good some Some ways ways bad bad. uh we've gotten uh our first death threat i feel so blessed yeah uh, i feel like i finally graduated (laughs) the internet i've never been threatened to death before (laughs) Threatened to death. Yeah. Uh, man, getting threatened to death is way different than getting a death threat. Yeah. But at any rate... Oh, it is, I guess. <laughs> at any rate, um, it's it's been really interesting. As we've gotten to some some pretty nasty interactions with uh, people who honestly haven't listened to the show. We'll just say, tell it like it is. Uh, some members of Antifa actually found our show. So, that was a whole thing. But... Uh, we're really excited because hopefully this next Wednesday we're yes. going to have That's going. the Carl the first ever Carl Pool debate. Yes. Da-da-da-da. So you've you've And we um, shouldn't even call it a debate. It's going to be basically a discussion with someone on the on the who who doesn't share necessarily our ideas or our viewpoints and it's going to be respectful and loving and awesome. And so I'm I'm, I am thrilled yeah. that in the same week where we got our first death threat, we actually got the first person to come on the show to say, like, I want to be a part of what you guys are doing, and I disagree with you. And that's like, wow. Like, that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing, is we should be bringing, we should bringing up that level of conversation. And what's crazy is, I hope it just goes back to these people that are looking at us and saying this stuff to us, that, hey, guess what? There are people on your side that are saying you have to stop this. Right. And you know what? It's important. So so there was a couple of, of interactions we had on Facebook specifically where it was like, you know, um, this person says like, hey, you should die. And <laughs> then we clapped back a little bit, you know, right. and kind of let the ideology filter out to where it goes. There's these conversations that you have where you're just talking to the ideology and in, a, in front of a large audience, the goal is just to make it look as foolish as you possibly can. At least that's the mentality I subscribe to. Um, but, but it's good for the right and the left to have these conversations, right? Because on the, on the right, we need to be challenged by the left because the left is really good at showing where the problems are. They're really good at shining a spotlight. And I think that's essential for the continuation of society in the correct directions. On the other hand, I think they're really bad at solving the problems, but they're really good at finding them. And the right isn't always good at finding them on the left side though. 
it's important to hear that there is a better way to be left than Orange Man Bad. There's a better way to be left right. than NPC. Yep. There's a better way to be left than Antifa. There's a better be way to be left than Black Lives Matter. There's a better way to be left than the mob politics, the identity politics, and the outrage culture. Mm. There's a better way to do it. And you can have honest conversations about those differences. And when you meet someone who wants to have an honest conversation, I think the most good can be done when that happens. So we're super excited. It's yep. the listener that we've been emailing back and forth with. His name's James Now. You can find him on Twitter at James Nally, uh, spelled out just like it sounds, N-A-L-L-E-Y. So, Please don't send him death threats. Yeah, look him up. He's you know he disagrees with us, so I don't lo- blame him for all of our ideas. And uh, but we're, we've been having a fantastic discussion in the background, ready to have another one on air. Couldn't be more excited about it. Yeah, and we'll, let's just park it there because I feel like I have like 500 things I want to say on that, and I think I really want to say them with James so sure. we can have that conversation together. So yeah, it'll so be exciting. We're going to be talking about kind of our episode about what is truth and probably where our conversation has gone on email, and then it seems like it's getting into an epistemological realm after that. And uh, also, we're going to talk to him a little bit about just. What what is up with the outrage culture, and can the left win itself back from that seemingly possessive ideology? So it's going to be a great discussion. Um, but with that, uh, we have had some hate. We've had some people rate us really poorly without listening to the show, which we knew was coming. We just had no idea it would come this soon. Yeah, it's so, really weird. Uh, if you're if you're not following us on social media, please follow us on social media. Or we have a Facebook page. Uh, which Instagram. is at Carl Pooling Podcast. We've got Instagram at Carl Pooling, Twitter at Carl Pooling. Please follow us. Share a post if you're feeling generous. Like, maybe leave a comment. Uh, Rate us on know, iTunes. If you think that the ideas that we have on the show are worth defending, it is now the rubber's hitting the road. So it would be great to have your guys' support there. Or if you just think it's good for people to have discussions about ideas. Sure. And you don't agree with us. This is a good show to do it because we want to we want to deal with everybody honestly. That's right. Uh, if You can leave us a rating or review on Facebook and on iTunes. Uh, we, we appreciate We've had several people do that in the past couple days. We really appreciate that. You really have no idea how much that helps the show. Right. Until you've done a podcast. That is so huge for us. So uh, you can... Email us if you disagree with us or if you agree with us or you want to continue the conversation, carlpooling at gmail.com. You can find all of our links and uh, subscribe to the show at carlpooling.com. The links on the footer right there can take you to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and you can subscribe to the show there. You can follow me at Emotional Carl on Twitter, and you can follow Christopher at The Real Donald Trump on Twitter. Yes, at The Real Donald Trump <laughs> on Twitter. The picture doesn't necessarily look like it him. It doesn't, yeah, and I, I shaved. But he it, is you know. verified, and so that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> a blue check mark. No, I'm at Chris X Carl. So anyway, guys, I think it's time for you to get the heck out of the backseat. Because, boys and girls, we are home. Get out. Get out.